millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Special thanks to the Town of Vail for their support of the Vail Dance Festival and Conversations on Dance live podcast recordings. This episode was recorded live at the Manor Vale Lodge. I'm Rebecca King-Ferraro. And I'm Michael Sean Breeden. And you're listening to Conversations on Dance. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Michael Sean Breeden. I am one of the hosts of the podcast Conversations on Dance. And I am so lucky today to be joined by two of my favorite uh, past guests, New York City Ballet Principal Sarah Mearns and choreographer Pam Tanowitz. Thank you both for coming out this morning to talk to me. Hi. Thanks for having us. <laughs> so what I love about having you guys on the show, uh, I feel like it's similar from both of you, is that I get a real sense, um, like who I view you as an artist, I, I hear that in the interview. So like, for instance, Sarah, you know, I, I feel like your performances are characterized by like a fearlessness, determination. And um, the very first story you ever told on my podcast, I think just like perfectly encapsulates that, which is um, the Swan Lake premiere, which was your first role, principal role ever. Mm -hmm. It's the most daunting role in the entire rep, but you also had a pretty crazy run leading up to that weekend. I just Mm -hmm. wonder if we could like give that story another (laughs) Another uh, chance. Let's reacquaint (laughs) ourselves with that story. Um, Let's see. Uh, I don't know how I remember telling it, but um, like a couple months before it happened, um, I had taken some time away from City Ballet and like gone home, and um, and then I came back and we were rehearsing Nutcracker, and I'd never done anything like soloist, principal, nothing. I was just in the core. I was just doing Snow and Flowers for Nutcracker. And but they started rehearsing Swan because we were doing it in the winter season mm-hmm. in February, and so we started like rehearsing diverse months for it, and I was being called to that and whatever. And then one day the rehearsal schedule went up, and my name was at the top of the schedule by myself with Meryl Ashley, and I went around asking people like, "What is this? Like, I don't even know what this is. This is weird." <laughs> and then <laughs> and then people were like. Well, Sarah, I mean, obviously it's for that. I was like, you're yeah, not doing no, the queen not. with Meryl, you know, what? <laughs> you're not doing the queen in Swan Lake with Meryl. Right. Like, yeah. I'm like, this is not for that. Then I walked into the studio and Meryl was like, so Peter wants you to learn Swan Queen. Oh, dead idea. I was like, okay. Um, so in that rehearsal, we went through the solos. And I mean, at that point, I'm, yeah, I was 19, but like I grew up knowing Swan Lake. Like one of the first things I did was the four little swans when I was seven and a half. (laughs) And like, you know, I had done the white swan pot of with my brother um, when I was like 10. And then I, you know, I'd done black swan. Like it it had been a part of like my upbringing. So Mm -hmm. like I obviously knew it really well. So it wasn't foreign to me. Um, So the rehearsal process, I think, was like two and a half weeks or something or two weeks. And then, 
I sort of like showed it to Peter <laughs> and I don't, I didn't really consider it an audition, but I guess it was, I don't know. I was just, and then, um, he was like, all right, you're going to, this is, he told me like right in the rehearsal, like this is when you're going to do it. And mm. you know, and, but then also I was originally doing it with Nilas Martins, his son, mm-hmm. Um, no, no, no. I was originally, no. I was originally doing it with Astle Core. We were rehearsing it. And like a week before, uh, we were rehearsing Black Swan and he landed from a jump and he landed right on his foot and broke his foot in the rehearsal. So then the week before leading up, I had to rehearse with a new partner. And then the two days before, I got a, I got the stomach flu. So I wasn't eating and I couldn't eat anything. And Peter was like, are you going to do the show? Like he kept calling and like, are you going to do, are you going to be able to do it? And I was like, well, I'm going to do it. Like I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to let this stomach thing like prevent me from doing it. But I remember that was pretty terrible. My stomach was pretty terrible during that show. And I remember like having a Reese's or something before Black Swan, <laughs> which was like the worst idea I could have done. Like that's well, also like 19. Right? I know. I was like, why did I do that? That was so, and like during Black Swan, it was like making noises. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> this is really bad. But I just, I feel like it's just such a Sarah story. It's like, okay, like first, first principal role, hardest thing in the rep. Okay, check. Uh, stomach flu, we got this. And, you know, I'll just, like, throw a Reese's Pieces into it. And then we'll, we'll just, we'll do it. I'm so stupid. <laughs> but um, for Pam, so similarly, like, my first time talking to you, I, like, was immediately struck with the things that I, like, kind of associate with your work, which is, like, you're fiercely intelligent, but you're very direct and honest, like, no nonsense. And I remember this moment, we were on a panel, and we were talking about, you know, some, like, we were kind of, giving that sort of like fluffy answer, like why do male choreographers get more opportunity? And you know, there was like the, well, you know, they didn't understand partnering better. And then you immediately like clap back and you're just like, well, what about a point shoot that a woman is in for decades? You know, like we were just like overlooking that aspect of things, Um, which I just loved that you were just like, let's cut the crap kind of. Um, But I'm wondering like, did this like honesty, how did that affect... um, your early output like did you ever like now it's such a a, a a trait that you're admired for but like did ever hurt any opportunity or what did you find any pushback from that i mean you don't want to hear the story of how i first performed the swan <laughs> <laughs> let's go let's go take it to that <laughs> um uh no i wasn't always like this mm. actually i was uh when i moved to new york um when i was 20 I guess you know I just I think um, I just did everything myself like modern dancers are resourceful and scrappy and um, if I wanted to show my work I had to make it happen like there was nobody to do that for me and actually nobody nobody teaches you that like I went I got my undergrad undergraduate degree at um, in dance at Ohio State And it was, you know, they don't teach you how to, (laughs) no one teaches you how to be an artist, really. Um, And even at Sarah Lawrence, when I was there, it's like, you just have to figure it out yourself. I I know I'm not really answering your question, but I do, but, uh, but uh, just sidebar on this topic, you know, when I go teach, I teach at Rutgers University and I, you know, I meet college age students all the time and they're always asking me, how do you do it? How do you do it? And I don't know how to answer it because I, I'm Gen X. I, you know, I like analog. I did no internet, no cell phones. I used to call to my friends on the street to come, you know, to go out at night. 
And I think there was, and the reason why I'm saying this is because um, there was, I was naive. So I just did things. And I just kept doing things. And then by that, I was able to like gain confidence after 20 years, really. It's hard. But like right. my first show, you know, I, I just called up, you know, uh, Dance Space Project. And I, I didn't ask for them to present me because I knew I wasn't ready. I said, how much does it cost to rent your theater? You know, so, you know, and I just took every single opportunity. And then so at a certain point, I just um, have been doing it so long that I, why not be direct? Why right. not just tell the truth? Why? And I think um, coming from the outside of ballet and now making things for ballet, I mean, like, it's not like that you know, great of an observation in what I said, but because I come from the outside, I don't take anything for granted. You right. know, I do that in my dances and I do that how I present dances and all the things around that. Right. So, you know, when someone's sitting there saying, well, women don't know how to partner, I'm like, well, do men know how to go on point shoes? I mean, they do, Trocadero, but you know what I'm saying? Right. It's just not, it's not an answer. Right, yeah. So, Sarah, I'm wondering, like, we're talking about Pam, like, finding her own voice. You've, you've found a really unique voice outside of the company. Um, and I'm curious to hear, like, of that origin. Like, now you're, you're so, you're probably, like, the most um, choreographically curious dancer I know of. Like, you're always trying to find different paths. And you've worked with so many choreographers who are not in the rep at New York City Ballet. Mm -hmm. So how did that path sort of start for you? I mean, I guess it sort of started in the way that, um, at New York City Ballet, like my first like 10 years, I was um, put in a box, which is an amazing box <laughs> to be in, which is the Balanchine box. But, you know, it's after a while and like choreographers would come in and um, they wouldn't see me or they wouldn't be told to see me or look at me. And because I was doing those things and I wasn't really ready or... <clears throat> dance like they wanted to for these new things and i was like all right well you know what i'm just gonna take it in my own hands now just like basically what, what she was saying mm -hmm. you know it's like after a while you're like i'm gonna do something about this so actually dance space um in the city was the first place that i um did something outside of ballet and they actually were doing a platform where they were combining uptown dance with downtown dance quote unquote and so i was part of the uptown dance where i got paired with jody melnick and rashawn mitchell and um we had like no time like negative time to like make something so basically we went down like two days and we like went into the church space and we're in there for hours just doing something and making something. And Jody and Rashawn had come in with already a plan of like what they were going to have us do, ask us to do. It was going to be in the, moment, in the moment spontaneous. And it was the first time that I had been asked to dance barefoot. I had been asked to dance with no music, um, to uh, sort of create in the moment based off of phrases and material that I was given. So I was asked to actually... Uh, create something on my own, which has never mm -hmm. happened. Um, and also dancing with people that I would never normally dance with. Um, so it was sort of fascinating to me. And so that experience with Jody and Mitchell just sort of like, like was a snowball effect of mm -hmm. like, oh my God, okay, I can 
be something else in a performance setting. I can do something else. I can feel something else. I can use my feet in a different way. Um, so then the next thing I did was I asked Jody to do a residence with me at Jacob's Pillow. Mm-hmm. And because they had asked me, do I, what do I want to do there? And that was the first time someone asked me outside of New York City Ballet to do something on my own. So I obviously asked Jody because I was very comfortable with her. And um, that was in like 2015, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and so since then, it was just like, one thing after another led me to this, to this, to this, to her, to like, it just like everything. It just like, and then it was sort of like addicting. Right. Like outside of like, it was like uh, on my layoffs from New York City Ballet, people would call me like a modern dancer because I would not put point shoes on. I would only do things that did not require like ballet or point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did that for a really long time and I'm still doing it, but like, it's just, I think it's really informative if you go outside your own little box and I know Pam does this too, is like you you, ha- you get to experience other things and you might not be good at it. I mean, I'm not saying I was good at all those things and that they were successful, right? Mm-hmm. But you have to try these things and then bring it back to what you do every day. And I remember walking, there was one time I did something, Jody, and she said, you know, just lift your arm. You don't have to like perform it. Mm-hmm. Just lift your arm. You don't have to do anything else. Like that's just good enough. And I remember going out and doing diamonds um, after that at New York City Ballet. And she, I just was like, Sarah, just walk out on stage. You don't have to like perform it as you walk out on stage. You're like you're already in like a massive theater with diamonds on and a tiara <laughs> and a tutu and like every light on you. And the music is massive. It's Tchaikovsky. Like you, you can't compete with that. Just like walk out there. And just be that. And that like, it just sort of like changed my way of like how to be on stage and like hold space instead of like trying to take it up where there's so many other factors. Just like be there. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, you you kind of already answered my question that I I was going to ask how that's impacted your work at home. But Pam, I think we could ask the same of you, like how... Uh, you know, having these commissions with something like New York City Ballet. Now, um, when you go back to the dancers you've been working with for ages, like how does that impact the work you do with them? That's a good question. <laughs> it actually, you know, it takes it takes me a second to process things. So like when I'm going from project to project, that's what I'm doing. And so I know that it's inside somehow, but I'm not sure how it how it's impacted, but um, I think the more I actually think that the more I do, the 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 more I realize I have to s- start a dance like I'm a beginner because um, I've never made that dance before. Mm-hmm. So instead of walking in and going, this is everything I've learned from this, and now I'm going to apply it to this, I actually think it's the opposite. I think I have to be like, okay, I've never made this dance before, so, so you know, but also knowing that I'll, I'll be okay because of um, the things I've done. Right. Even though I haven't done this. Um, when I go into a new, but but logistically speaking, I will, I know I'm like not answering any of your <laughs> questions. Um but um, technically or logistically or whatever, when I go to a new environment, it's more challenging for me because I have to be more articulate. 
when I am with my dancers, they can read my mind, particularly Melissa Too Good. Um, so, you know, I work on other things. Um, but when I'm in a new environment, I have to, and dancers I don't know, I have to be... I have to be careful about how much information I give right away. I want them to, I don't want to give too much away, but I also want them to know um, there needs to be a little balance. So I, I'll, I'll teach them movement and then I'll talk about my style a little bit with them. Then I'll ask them what their, like with Sarah, like the first time I worked with her, I was like, tell me your favorite roles, tell me your favorite ballet steps. You know, nothing that like deep, deep, but like it gives, it, it, I just—it's a way to get to know someone, and 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 part of my process is a full collaboration with the dancer. So I do come in with ideas and movement, um, but not necessarily a set way of performing that. Um, so I would show, you know, like Sarah, you know, some steps, and I would see how she's doing it instead of imposing a, sp a certain count, like you have to get here on count eight. We would work on landmarks and things like that. And that's something I do with my dancers and other. Mm -hmm. So so I do have like, that's interesting to me because ultimately my work is about the people in the room in the studio, right? So it's not about me. It's about them. So that's sort of part of my process, I guess. Right. I don't know. That's good. I, I want to hear, Sarah, um, about a little bit about your dynamic with Pam in the studio. Was, was this the first time you'd worked together for this, the spring We've premiere? done two projects. Mm -hmm. So what was the first project you guys did together? The first project was... Was, crazy. was that 2019? <laughs> it was right... 18. It was, it was an outdoor piece before the pandemic. That was 18. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I had gotten to that point where like the snowball was happening and I was like, well, I want to work with Pam because I don't know when I'm going to get the chance. So right. like... I'm doing it. So basically, I literally just like, I don't know how I got your number. I texted you. I reached out to her and I was like, we have to do something. I don't know what we're going to do, but we're going to do something. And she was like, yes. <laughs> so <laughs> at the time, we didn't have a venue. We didn't know. We didn't like, have anything. We didn't have anything. So we basically decided that we are going to go dance in a park. And we, she gathered some of her dancers. And then we got Taylor Stanley, me, and was there another outside Dancer? Well, it was R Reed, but he's oh, right. he like sort of crosses. <laughs> right, Reed he's like me. Yeah. yeah, he's amazing costume designer. Um, it was also one of his dreams to dance with you, so <laughs> I made that happen. I remember him telling me this. Oh, he was so he excited. He said to me, "He's he's an he was a, he is an amazing dancer, but he's also a brilliant costume designer." And one of his dreams was to dance with Sarah Mearns. And I said, I love you, and I'm going to make that happen for you. <laughs> it was so funny. Um, so basically, like, we just, I don't know. I, oh, we reached out to Lower Manhattan. Well, I, I actually am going to remind you. You what? said to me, I don't want to, you couched it like this. I want to work with you, but I don't want to dance in a theater. I don't, you told me a list of things you didn't want to do. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, this is important because then I said, okay, and then we thought maybe a museum or outside because you right. were very specific in what you didn't want to do because you wanted to do something different. And I think right. that's actually really important. Right, that's um, true, yeah. Because I, I didn't want to dance in a proscenium setting mm -hmm. because I, I'm so used to that and that it creates a boundary between audience and artists and dancers. And I wanted to experience something where like, we were 
mixing and like somehow I'll be, we all became part of the audience at one point or like they could get as close as they wanted to and like so which what which happened which was crazy which ultimately like it was nuts so basically we were able to get a park setting mm-hmm. downtown on the river and we had um we didn't have that long to make it Mm-mm. Um, and honestly, like we had to actually like really make it in the park because it's so specific on what you can do in a park and, you know, shoes and like spacing and, and I had these plat, I made platforms in the grass covered with AstroTurf. Yes. So like, so you could, so it would like meld into the grass, which I was like, it was pretty fascinating. So then the first, (laughs) the first show, and obviously we have to deal with the weather, right? So we all, that's always a thing when you're outside, you're like, oh God, oh my God. So, yeah, our worst nightmare happened in our first show. Yeah. Canceled because of rain. And then the second day was still like, the the rain day, it was still like, oh, man, it looks like it's going to rain. And it was raining. And so we were about to call it off. And then. And then 45 minutes before, it was like not that bad. And we were like, we're doing it. We're doing it. We're going to call it. We're doing it. And we like blasted it on social media and like said, it's still happening. Please come down. We're doing this. And people came. Oh, yeah. There was like hundreds of people. They there. loved it. They loved it. But like it was that experience where like they it, it's funny, like when you put audience members in these situations, they have no boundaries and they I was they, shocked. They want to be like with you dancing. So there were points where like we had to push through people and had to like just deal with it. And that's also like in the moment of dealing with um, a performance aspect that I had never done before, you know, and it was pretty, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. It was still raining and like, it was weird. It was like misty and it was so weird because I conceived it. I had, I thought the audience was going to be close, like around and so in these platforms, they actually infiltrated instead of staying on the perimeter. Yeah. And I was shocked. And then I also made it with the idea that um, it started like 45 minutes before the sunset. So I wanted it to be sunny. And then as it ended, end, and there were, everyone was in a line and it was going to end oh in the sunset. Mm-hmm. But that didn't happen because it was all really gray and dark. So, th- so the piece ended up being really dark and mysterious and had this there whole was fog everywhere. It there was, was fog it was so dramatic it <laughs> changed the whole idea of the piece and it was better yeah it was um yeah really exciting but we only did it once i know so re- maybe a revival with a sunset just to see maybe, maybe. i mean i don't know and but that was the first time so it was sarah with a group and i also yeah. thought it was interesting cuz up until that point i only had known you to do new work as a soloist or like with one or two other dancers, but I just threw her in my group of dancers um, and Taylor Stanley. So, um, so it was a different dynamic. And I think that was interesting and you loved it. I I, I had a feeling too. I was like, Sarah, like it was, I think fun for you to be with more people and not to be so lonely. Like, I think that's interesting. No, it's important. Yeah. You want to like, yeah, you are. I love dancing alone and being obviously, the head of a group, but like there is something about dancing with people yeah. that I missed and that like I wanted to be part of this group and I still try to find those opportunities mm-hmm. just because it informs you and uh-huh. like you, I don't know, be, it informs your You artistry. dance differently too. So yeah. I, and I, I, I mean, I've talked about this with other principals and um, I definitely like, I mean, I, I was in the quarter ballet my whole life and it was such a, a wonderful thing. Yeah. Like anytime you felt 
nervous or uncomfortable, like you could look across at your peers and feel immediately like at home. But for you, like especially for you, because you know you started with Swan Lake and then was immediately, you know, you were immediately in all that rep that's just like at the head. So this would have been a while of you, like almost ten years of you just like doing that kind of stuff. So yeah. what, was it like? Was that change immediately like comforting, or did it take a while to, to warm up to? No, it was so comforting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I almost like took like a back seat finally, mm-hmm. just being like, all right, I'm just going to follow you guys. I'm just going to follow what's happening here. And um, yeah, it's almost like I didn't want to be alone. Right. And it became sort of addicting. It's like, yeah, it was, I have been out there alone a lot, right. you know, and it's a different feeling. And yes, you can own things more and then own things in, in the space in a different way. But you always, you need to, always collaborate with people. Mm-hmm. You can't lose that as an artist. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. I want to go back yeah. to, um, I thought this was interesting, Sarah setting like a couple of parameters for you, Pam. I'm wondering. Yeah, I love that. I yeah, love, so, I love like solving problems. Right. So yeah. is there, are there, has there ever been a situation where you had like, what's the range there? Like when people commission you, are they like, you're, you're, we need you to use this music at this theater with these people? Or is it like, does it ever feel daunting right. in the opposite extreme where it's just like, do whatever, Pam? <laughs> Yeah, I actually like parameters. Uh-huh. I like, okay, you know, um, it is hard. I mean, because you're making something from nothing. Mm-hmm. So when someone says you, um, how would you, f- and, and no one's ever said you have to. Like right. when um, David Halbert called me for Australian Ballet, he said, um, I would love for you to come and be my first commission, but I, the other program, the other piece on the pro- ballet on the program is Serenade, so I would love for you to use a lot of men. Mm. Because the other, you know, because I want to use the men. And I could have said no, but I thought, oh, that's interesting. So the piece, and then I thought, okay, well, what if I did the reverse of Serenade and I used 17 men and three women, I think. I can't remember the exact. There was, like, questions about how many each. Do you know the, is that right? 17 women plus the three three principles. It's not an even number. Right, right. So so there, so not only do I get my, like, I not only do I solve a problem, but I also solve it artistically right. so that's what's interesting to me like here at veil vale dance festival <laughs> um i you know um have this piece where it was going to be two dancers on point shoes but one of them just had surgery and she can't really be in point shoes and i'm not about to ruin her career and make her wear point shoes so now she's in flat shoes so i said okay Let's do this. Let's reverse what you were going to do in flat shoes, make an adagio, do it behind the person who's doing, you know what I mean? And so to me, it's exciting. I mean, I'm not happy that she can't be in point shoes, but I just, I, I work with what I have. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's a, a real I mean, I think it's trait, scarier think. when somebody says, do whatever you want. Like mm-hmm. you all of a sudden yeah. are just like, well, I don't know what to do. Right. Like there's so many options. Mm-hmm. So it's really like much better when... Yeah. They well, say, okay, this is what you have. This is the amount of time you have. This is how many dancers you have. Could you use this type of music or whatever whatever else on the program? And then it informs you of like lighting, space. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. It's like you can't just be like wide open. That's right. like really scary. But that, yes. But that being said, I always then – I'm bad also because like at Royal Ballet, I made a piece where I said it would only be – six dancers and then I had all these understudies in the room and I 
love them and I kept every day I kept adding them into the piece and it ended up being 12 and Kevin O'Hare was like mm, I hope nothing happened you know what I mean right. and you know um, something else happened well you get the idea mm-hmm. but that I think that happens with you a lot where yeah. you're just like an idea strikes you and then you'll be like oh well, let's just do this I mean I remember hearing about you deciding you came up the mountain to Vail Dance Festival Whoa. and Patricia Delgado was in uh, the car with yeah. you and then you just like got along with her and you were like and you were like why don't I make something for you and it'll be on point because I want to you know do that experiment with that like, but yeah. like that sort of like um, you know when inspiration strikes like you go with it that's not every choreographer like a lot of people need to be really thought out and studied but you'll just go with the moment well because I'm not precious mm-hmm. and Sarah couldn't talk like I in a way I'm not precious about not everything I think of is good and I can throw it out like I think um, and I actually learned that from one of my mentors Viola Farber who is a founding member of the Merce Cunningham company like like you just make stuff like and I have like I and I've said this before like um I like to, I have movement like swatches of stuff and movement like swatches of fabric. And like, if this isn't working, we'll change it to this. You know, let's try it this way. Um, And I think, I actually can answer your first question now. I just thought of something. Okay. I think as I get older, I know what to leave out. I think when I was a younger choreographer, I wanted to like show stuff that I, or like, put everything in and I think as I, I know what to leave out now mm-hmm. and and I think that's important so yeah that's the answer to your first mm-hmm. question yes it's very important as a choreographer the many choreographers I've worked with mm-hmm. is the editing mm-hmm. yeah it's you know they get excited and they want to have they have, all these, they have all these ideas and you're just like as like the, the muse or the person that's trying to like implement it you're like think that's gonna work or like but you can't say anything and that's the hard thing right is like you can't always tell the choreographers like yes or no you just like have to do and then they have to figure it out so it's but it takes time yeah it takes time like Mm -hmm. it takes years and years to do that but it's great when you get somebody that like can visually see it and come back the next day and be like you know what no we're not gonna do that right we're gonna do something else or this is better and it's just it's really great to work with somebody like that can self-edit so, Sarah, you, you have immersed yourself in so many different, like, choreographic voices, and you're really experimental in that way, but did it ever strike you to, to create work? Like, would you ever consider that, or you just, no. you don't have the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I understand. Um, no, I, mean... I don't know. I've, I've gotten that question many times, and I know that a lot of dance, a lot of artists in my community and everybody are, are choreographing, and I think it's a great thing and a great way to um, use their artistry and have another tool in their box. But I enjoy too much being on the other side of it right. and being the collaborator that like takes the work and does something with it. Or I don't know. I just, that yeah. side of it already is exhausting to me. Right. And it is it's, it's a lot to, to deal with and put on and, and take in as like a person. So, I can't imagine, like, also being on the like choreographic side. Right. It's just it's way too much. It's a but lot. yeah, I'd rather now, be like the maybe later. muse choreographer. <laughs> but it's not. It's it's. Um, I was gonna say something really good. It's a different part of the. <laughs> I no. I love that you're saying that because that's where you're like you feel like 
if I'm hearing this right, your your true artistic expression is in the way that you take a choreographer's ideas and filter it through your butt. And not everyone can do that. Like, it's a different part of your brain. Mm-hmm. It's like saying, like, just because you're an amazing dancer doesn't mean you're going to be an amazing choreographer or an amazing teacher. There's amazing teachers that were never great performers, but they're incredible teachers. Like it's just because you're one doesn't mean, doesn't mean you shouldn't try if you wanted to either, but it's like people assume. And I think like, it's like different parts of your brain Mm -hmm. that, that, you know, to access that. And um, yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. I think yeah. you've, you've hit upon something there because I feel like the dance world is very, um, it, it's like the only art world I can think of where it is like that, where it's like, well, you were an amazing dancer, so let's just like install you as director or like now you stage ballets or whatever. But right. like, um, you know, the the great a great Shakespearean coach didn't necessarily have to do Macbeth themselves. Correct. They could, I mean, you know, I've been, chore- I mean, which isn't to say that a dancer in a company can't absorb what's going on and then become a, chore- a great choreographer for themselves. Like, it's not like there's rules ever, but um, it doesn't really, I mean, you know, you can't just become something. Right. <laughs> like, I've been making dances for th- almost 30 years, right? So, yeah. like, it takes a long time. Mm-hmm. Just like Sarah's been dancing her whole life. Right. You know, like, you know, her whole, dedicated her whole life. Someone's not going to just come on and do Swan Lake. It's the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But people, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, of course. I I think it's interesting. I I just, I wonder, why do you think it is in our industry that maybe we have that expectation? Like, as opposed to, you know, like, um, you know, Spielberg was never an actor or, you know. Like, uh, you know, great conductors maybe weren't great musicians why, why do you think we have that issue maybe i have no idea i, I don't have the answer maybe it's because the lifespan <laughs> of the dancer is so short mm-hmm. that they need something uh, another, another outlet okay interesting i don't know i mean i don't yeah. know it's just a guess right um and people already ask me what are you going to do after you're done dancing i'm like i like, don't know yeah. i'm not done <laughs> dancing yet you know what so i mean like aggressive. i'm not <laughs> like they just probably just want to know but like it's a lot like it's, yeah it's they're like oh, are you going to teach are you going to like do this and i'm like i don't know if i want to teach either because i i'm still in it i'm still learning every single day about my body about mm. the technique about dancing about performing it's like i'm so immersed in it myself that it's hard for me to give out right. and to that's going to take time as well. And like you said, like a good teacher, like it's, they're rare because it is, it takes so many years to become that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think it's like, and also if you invest all of your energy and your best energy into this one thing, then you can make it the best it can be right. instead of like putting all of your energy in like five different things. Right. You know, like just hone it in on this one thing and make it the best. Yeah, preaching to the choir here. You can figure it out when you're done. When you're yes. done, you're done. You yeah. figure it out then. Um, let's talk a little bit about what you are both up to here at the Vail Dance Festival. Pam, what are you making for us? Um, well, I'm making two dances. I was hired to make one, and then I sort of <laughs> begged Damien if this I could tracks. push another one in. <laughs> um, so I'm making a duet with um, Melissa Tugood and Herman Cornejo. And it has Meredith Mo- music by uh, Meredith Monk and a pop song um, called Where Did You Go To My Lovely. Um, and I, and uh, 
I have Kate Davis and Caroline Shaw working on the music. I've never worked with, um, well, Melissa's in my company. Erman um, is my first time. So I think that's really interesting. Um, the mu- Musically, it's different for me. Um, what else can I say? I mean, I just, Do you have any I, questions about it? No, I, I, to be honest, I only had one rehearsal so far. So, I mean, that's something that is so classic Vale, too. Classic. Just, but is that something you like? Like, kind of um, down to the wire? Or do you like well, to have Well, I act like I don't, but I think I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, okay, honestly, I think that, like, you make different dances with different, like, if someone said to you, you have a week to make a dance, that's the dance. Mm-hmm that you're going to make in the week. If someone said, you have three months to make that same dance, it's a different dance. So instead of getting stressed out about it, like I still do, like I could be lying to you right now, but what I like to believe is that I'm like, okay, this is what I'm doing. This is um, the materials I'm working with, and this is what it's going to be in a week. And this is the dance. Um, So yeah. I will tell you, (laughs) this is amazing. She does get very stressed out, but the thing is, is that she's <laughs> able to like process everything that's happening and be like, okay, what she's able to uh, crisis manage. Like she's, it's really great. So, an example. Ooh, I want to hear in this. the spring. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, with the piece at New York City Ballet, like we've been making it and like you know rehearsal weeks. Like we had her, she had her full cast, and then all of a sudden. Things started to unravel and like dancers were starting to get taken away from her and put in other ballets and then casting started to change. Mm. And then all of a sudden we had like half as many people. And then I just, every day she came in, she's like, you know what? No, we're, this is okay. Like these are the dancers we have and we're going to make it work. And they're and amazing. We're going to I mean. change the trio to a duet. And then it's not, and then the genders are not going to matter. There's, you know, uh, she's going to be in this one. He's going to be in this one. Blah, blah, blah. And then it just actually kept on getting like the, the situation just kept on getting worse because then dancers started getting COVID. And then um, we also had another injury. So like it literally, I could not believe what she was handling mm-hmm. like the days leading up to the show. And somehow we were all just like, we're going to get on stage. This is going to happen. We're somehow going to get there. Mm -hmm. And we did. And she just like, every day it was something that like, we just had to change and morph. And she like made it happen. It was fascinating that anybody else would have like crumbled under that pressure. I almost did though. Like it was almost too much for me to bear. Like the day that. I know, but like you stayed in the theater. Yeah, I did. Like she didn't come on stage because she was so stressed out. So like we just, the dancers just stay on the stage and she just stayed in the theater, like in the dark theater and like dealt with her like stress crumbling because she didn't want to like put it on us. Oh yeah, no, I would never do that. And it was just like an amazing experience in that way because we were all dealing with it. But like we on as a collective, were like making it happen to get on stage. And like she just like dealt with the situation as it was happening. I think that that just goes back to you not being precious and being like flexible yeah, in that, okay. you know. Um, and even Glenn, the um, my ballet mistress, my ballet mistress, so dramatic <laughs> ballet mistress. She, like, I've worked with her for a couple of years now and I think she even, and I think she was like, saw me and was like, oh my God. For the first time, she thought I was going to lose it. Just, very, very at the end end. But I held it in. I totally yeah. held it in. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, 
As an audience member, I, I didn't get to see that work because it ultimately was overwhelmed by Barely COVID. Barely anybody it, saw it. Yeah. Well, it'll, it'll make its way back. But I did see Gustave Le Grey with three people instead of four. But I, oh, yeah. I had seen it with four as right. well. But I re-choreographed that on Zoom in Venice. But I, I loved it. I mean, because I, I couldn't... People I didn't said have, they liked it. I know, I, I got texts. You know, I'd only seen it the one time and it had been a few <laughs> years prior. And I, when I saw it with the three people, I thought, like, I can't imagine it with the four now. I, I thought it was really... Yeah. And, you know, Daniel Applebaum, who was in the cast, was like, well, he's trying to explain to me the difference. But I was like, now it's, I I like it in this new incarnation. I think it goes back to what Sarah was talking about. I think the dancers knew they had to get that. Can I curse on this? (laughs) (laughs) Which word? Shit. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) They knew they had to get that shit together. Like, I, I wasn't even there. I was like re choreographing, but I think it's what Sarah said about the New York City ballet dancers coming together and like just getting the shit done. Yep. And I had a friend write to me saying the dancers were electric mm-hmm. who saw it. And I think that's what you were seeing. I don't know if the choreography was so great, but I actually think you were seeing the electric dancers pulling together. Mm-hmm. So for the other work, because you did have to make so many changes, um, when it makes its way back to the stage, um, what version are you going to end up with? Do you want to go back to the original or were there things you liked? Oh, no. I mean, I'm going back to the original because Mira never got to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, Who else didn't get to do it? Many people. Many people. (laughs) Many people. I don't know. I keep texting Wendy to put it on. I'm like, put it on next year. She's like, I can't. It's too booked up. (laughs) <laughs> like, no, but she but she actually wrote uh, we need to put law mosaics on mm-hmm. as it was supposed to be seen yeah. right and it'll happen right yeah i mean sarah's incredible in it i love Just that FY, if you're gonna ask that question she's incredible. <laughs> is sarah incredible in it yes <laughs> yes the piece was based on sarah and sarah and russell like mm-hmm. it's anchored by a duet with Sarah and Russell Jansen, and then Sarah solo at the end. Um, and then, um, I mean, everyone is incredible in it. But but that's those were the things that happened first because I actually got to work with them during the pandemic on Zoom. So that the movement for Sarah and the movement for Russell, oh, Russell has an, a, a solo also that's incredible, that's within the duet. So it's an interesting structure. Um, but But Sarah and Russell were my touchstones for that work. And um, I was incredibly lucky to work with them. The, their movement is very deep because it was worked on like for two years on, on and off um, during the pandemic. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that was pretty cool. Before we open up to audience questions, mm-hmm. I do want to hear a little bit about what you are dancing at the Real Dance Festival, Sarah. How am I dancing? Um, I will say, <laughs> I've had some history with the Vail Dance Festival. The first time I came, I had a very, very hard schedule, and I was not able to finish my shows because I got the mountain sickness, and I was went to the hospital. So now, ever since then, Damien's been like, okay, what are we going to do? We have to keep you healthy and not in the hospital, so what does that mean? Um, and even when he emailed me, this past year, I was like, are you sure you want me to come back? Are you sure about this? I feel like I'm a liability. Um, but he was like, no, 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 no. You're coming? And I was like, okay. So basically, I like, you know, the veil, like this festival like sort of feeds on like things happening here and mm-hmm. like, what, what, like what you're saying is like right. things happen in the moment and like, 
And I told Damon, I was like, I don't think I can do that. I think I need to know <laughs> what I'm doing before I come. And it's like worked on and ready to go. <laughs> um, so I'm doing a new solo by Bobby Jean Smith, who um, I worked with her during the pandemic. Um, one of the many dance films that we all did during the pandemic. Um, I did one with her and I knew that I wanted to work with her again and like actually physically do her work on stage live. Um, so we made it in the city and it's um, about six and a half minutes. And uh, the singer is this amazing opera singer, Devon Tynes. Did you say his name? Okay. Well, he's an amazing, amazing opera singer and he's going to be on stage with me singing. Um, and it's, I think there's, it's like five prayers that Caroline Shaw uh, composed. And mm. so he's going to sing them. Um, and then the other piece is a, again, another piece that was created during the pandemic by Christopher Wilden. Mm. Um, it was a potada that he created on myself and David Hallberg for the New York City Center's Fall for Dance mm -hmm. virtual um, music by Joni Mitchell. And it was a very special thing because David and I always wanted to dance together and we never got to. Mm. And, you know, he retired and then, you know, we were like, we needed to do something in the pandemic. So we made this and it was very special. So we're doing the pot -a part of that. And I'm dancing it with Robbie Fairchild. And I believe Kate Davis is going to sing it live. Oh, so Kate's voice. Yes. I'm actually so excited to, well, I love working with Caroline. Obviously she's yeah. amazing, but I haven't worked with Kate before. So I'm really excited yeah. for that. Like yeah, everybody's walking so around special. being like, Kate. <laughs> so we're all very lucky to be having right. Kate here. Great. Well, I'm sure that some people in the audience have a few questions for you guys, so we could throw it over here. To Pam, um, could you talk a little bit about your work on four quartets and how you came to that material? Oh, um, yeah. Um, I well, I was. Uh, it's sort of a long story, but I'll, I'll try to do bullet points. I, I walked around with that book. Um, for at least a decade. I, I just, you know, loved the poem. Um, cut to uh, my first show at Bard in 2015. I did a piece called Broken Story, and then in parentheses, wherein there's no ecstasy, which is a line from Four Quartets. And so I put, and then Broken Story was um, a line, a, a, a title of a J.D. Salinger short story that I found in The New Yorker, um, and I put like so I put Salinger and Elliot together for this title, and um, the artistic director came up to me and said, "What's your what is your title? Like where'd you get what did you do? Like where'd you get it from?" And I and he I told him about four quartets, and he also loves four quartets. Um, and uh, we were having bagels and coffee up upstate New York, and I I go to the bathroom, I come back, and Gideon is. He's, he had looked up when the anniversary of the four quartets, he's like, 2018, let's do it. Let's make a piece. And I was like, what? You want me to make a dance to this? Or like, what? I don't even know what that would be. But I just said yes, because I, I actually didn't think it would ever happen. So I said, sure, I'll do it. <laughs> um, and then all of a sudden it became real. And then we found a composer. And oh, then we, we had to get permission from the Elliott estate, um, and we were the only ones that got it. Like mm. we've, we're the only ones that have ever been given permission um, to use it in a performance like this. But the rule was a rule: we could <laughs> not manipulate it. So I couldn't. I had to use it 
as is. Um, then we went searching for an actress, and we um, met Kathleen Shalfant, who's, I mean, she's mm. royalty. Um, I mean, beyond. She's amazing. Um, I mean, it just sort of all came together in this really organic way. Bryce Martin lives upstate, so um, he lives like five, ten minutes away from Bard, so that sort of, you know, so everything sort of like came together in this really interesting way. I ended up doing this trip. Uh, Gideon Lester and I took a trip to all the places. So we um, went to all the places in Four Quartets, which was incredible. I mean, there was a lot of research. I can talk to you about it privately if you want, <laughs> but it was there was a lot that went into it. Uh, I don't know if, if that helped, but... Yeah. Other questions right here? Yeah, Sarah, this past year you were in a Twilight Tharp show doing the choreography that was done for Barishnikov. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about what that was like, doing that choreography. First, that had been done on a man, and then on Barishnikov. <laughs> I mean, that was a very, very tall order, for sure. Um, of course, Misha, I'm very lucky that Misha is one of my mentors, and he's always been there since the beginning for me. Um, and I just thought, oh my God, this is like such an honor to like be stepping into his shoes and in this way. And I knew, but also I knew going into it, I was like, all right, I can't like compare myself to this, right? Like there's no, I can't do it like Misha. There's no possible way. So don't even put that in your head because <laughs> you're just going to fail. Um, so I basically, we learned it off of this one specific tape that the only recording they had of it when they were on tour together um, it was like in the middle of their tour and it's, it's so fascinating, but she wanted me to learn it exactly like he was doing it on that oh recording, gosh. which could have been one of 50 versions that he had right. done, mm -hmm. but the, she wanted that specific one and how they connected specifically on that one, like timing wise, musicality, anything, which I thought was also fascinating. Um, so then I learned it and then I just sort of like took it and like did my own thing and I did I was able to speak to Misha briefly about it um and but he didn't want to give me too much because again it's like he wanted me to do what I wanted with it um and Twyla was a huge help but also because it was his stuff it was a little bit harder for her to mm -hmm. coach me uh, she coached Robbie obviously on his part because it was her <laughs> Um, but it was really fun in that way to like, not have to be like girly, but to be like this, like not macho, but like very reserved like thing. And then I got to learn that a lot, love the soul, the bigger soul in the middle was a compilation of all the stuff that he had done in his career. And like, how do I do that? Um, but it did take a lot of rehearsal and a lot of prep and a lot of research and a lot of just like being by myself with the material mm -hmm. and what was I going to do with it? Um, I really want to do it again in another setting. Robbie and I would love to do it again in another setting just because it was such a pressure cooker to get it out there in front of everybody. And we were really nervous that like, you know, this is a big deal. And so we would love to maybe do it you, you here better, at the you better. Festival. Oh, okay, I was going to say, don't tell Damien. He'll make I you know, do it. book it yeah, right it'll, go, it'll be going next week. <laughs> I will say it's one of the hardest things I've ever wow. done. I don't know how Misha did that like every day like I died like it is so hard 
But also what's interesting is that he had a bad knee at the time. I don't think it was his right knee. So everything is pushing off from the left knee. Uh. And it's just, it was fascinating. Like, because, and then he would do like a right menage. He would go around to the right, but be turning to the left as he was going to the right. So he would push off his left knee. It was like so weird. But like, you know, learning those little tidbits of like, uh-huh. why is this? But, you know, in the moment when he's like 50 years old, you mm-hmm. know, you have to, that's where he that, was with his body. Yeah. Yeah. Great. It's history. It's history. <laughs> I love that. I think we could probably do one more question before we wrap up. Bruce. <laughs> I have a very weird thought. So, for Pam. So, we had Lamone here a couple yes. of days ago, 50 years after he died. Still there is the Balanchine Trust. You had to deal with the Elliott Estate. What's going to happen with the Tanowitz Trust? Oh, I don't know. I actually, um, I don't know, but. I'm in conversation with um, Linda Murray at the library. We're talking about my archives. Like she's always telling me to keep stuff. Melissa, too good to keep things. I'm in the process of putting, um, this is like, it's not a secret, but I'm putting together, I'm working with people to put together a a scrapbook of sorts. Um, So, but I don't know. I don't know about my dances. I don't know yet. It's not a weird question, actually. Um, I hope that they'll be performed when I'm not here. They will. They will, <laughs> will be. They will be. Perhaps. Um, <laughs> I, do, I can I just I wanted to say something about Sarah. Like I thought I think it's so great how you learned like the gender change of the Misha. Like it really goes with your whole. It, it really does relate to your choreography, you know, experiments and being curious of with other choreographers and then taking on a different gender role. I think it all just sort of really speaks to how, um, like, you know, what you said in the beginning about Sarah, how curious and, you know, fearless. And that's why I wanted to work with you. You know, when you asked me, I was so excited. I feel like our work in the ballet we just did sort of does encapsulate like why I wanted to work with you. Like Sarah was like, I want to be barefoot. And I'm like, I want you doing barefoot borets. Do you know what I mean? Uh And just that says everything, you know. I know, walking out there. Yeah, yeah, like walking out there on the New York City Ballet stage with a solo created for me barefoot. Like having that feeling of walking out there like, oh my God, this is happening. Like this is so weird. Like this is not something I would have seen, you know, mm-hmm. 20 years ago. Like, this is, like, very, this is, like, I don't know. It, it was, it, it shouldn't be, like, you know, I can't find the word. It's just, like, it should be happening more. Like, it should be a thing. It shouldn't be, like, oh, my gosh, she's barefoot on the New York City Ballet stage, you know? But that's sort of what, like, we... But it makes sense moment. for you. It wouldn't, I don't know if it would make sense for another dancer. Mm-hmm. But true. it made sense for you yeah. because of all everything that you're doing. So like that's, it didn't feel random. It felt like right. related to right. you, right? you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I hope that ballet gets back out on stage because I'm really sad that I missed it. <laughs> I am. But we're so excited to see you perform this uh, year at the festival and to see Pam's two new premieres. Thank you both for joining us today. Thanks.